Welcome to season two of Outstanding Women Leaders, Witty and Wise Conversations. I'm your host, Katie L. Leeds, leadership and life coach by day, comedian and writer by night. I'm on a mission to have 100 million witty and wise conversations around the world. No more welcome to my TED Talks and Dear Abby advice friends. It's time to start having powerful conversations without being attached to an outcome for the person that you are creating space for in that moment. These are the components of a witty and wise conversation that have the power to transform the way we live and lead in a profound way. Rule number one, nobody gets to be wrong. Rule number two, nobody gets to be right. Rule number three, everybody gets to be vulnerable. And rule number four is my favorite, everything is included. So if a cell phone goes off, a garbage truck goes by, it's in the podcast, we're not going to edit. These rules are inspired by the Coactive Training Institute and are literally changing the way that people are interacting with each other. This conversation today is exactly what it needs to be in this moment in time. We've asked our guests to join us via video to allow us to create authentic connection. Eyes are the window to the soul. You will be seen here. You will be heard. There is space for you here. Conversation is meant to be a dance, an ebb and flow, a back and forth exchange of energies, thoughts, and emotions. The wit we bring to this conversation releases an endorphin known as the painkiller. You actually feel better when you laugh. The wisdom we bring to the conversation will be seen in the impact this has on everyone who hears it. When this conversation comes to a close, I will ask you, our guests and listeners, our two questions. If you've tuned in before, you know what they are. If you haven't, you don't want to miss them. Welcome, Veronica Kieran. I am so honored to have you. <laughs> you Hi, are amazing. Veronica is a queer serial entrepreneur who first got her start disrupting the tech industry with her award-winning tech company, Green Cup Digital. She's disruptive, thoughtful, and innovative. She's also the author of the award-winning book, Stories of Elders, What the Greatest Generation Knows About Technology That You Don't, documenting the paradigm shift of the high-tech revolution as lived by the greatest generation. As a historian, I love this. I want to read this. Her current book, Stories of COVID, is being written in real time to document the impact of the pandemic for future generations. Veronica is an international keynote speaker sharing how to transform your work from a horizontal, doing everything at once model to a vertical empire building strategy that extends the ideas of entrepreneurs, change makers, and innovators to a strategic multi-year plan. Veronica dreams big and thrives on out-of-the-box thinking, believing change is possible as long as you can figure out the how. When she's not writing and speaking, Veronica works with audacious entrepreneurs like me who want to get disruptive and change the world and industries for the better. Welcome, Veronica. I am so excited to talk to a serial entrepreneur that is going to help this audacious entrepreneur get one step closer to her goal in this conversation. Thank you so yes. much for joining us. Thanks for having me. I love what you're doing with this podcast. The authenticity that you're bringing to the podcasting world and to entrepreneurship is really needed and really awesome. I know your listeners really value it. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And it's, it really, the, the vulnerability, the authenticity, it has the power to change the world. Um, can you share for our audience how you changed the world and disrupted, starting with your Green Cup Digital? Because this story is just so fascinating to me. 
Yeah. Uh, well, and the fun part is there's a little bit of a prelude to Green Cup that was called Hands Engaged in Life's Projects. That was my nonprofit. And I started my nonprofit two years ago. So on the topic of vulnerability, I thought that my career was going to be as a humanitarian. That was it. I never thought I was going to be an entrepreneur, but I worked for the government for two years in disaster relief work with the National Civilian Community Corps. And, um, post-traumatic stress disorder happened. And I used to be so ashamed to talk about it. I felt really broken. And I felt like all the cliches of, um, you know, military men coming home and shooting up military bases was going to be, that light was going to be shined on me. And so I really hid that for a long time. Um, I started my nonprofit to try to grapple with like that shift of, I can't be out in the field anymore. Maybe I could still do the work that I want to do. Um, didn't work out that way, but uh, that's where Green Cup was born. Just in that little moment of time where I was looking for a way to stay empowered and to stay in control of my life, um, but couldn't quite do what I had originally intended to do. Um, and I really cut my chops on Green Cup. Uh, I, I stayed in that kind of as you mentioned, the horizontal doing everything for a long time, because I believed like I was one of the, if not the only queer woman in tech at the time in this small little conservative city that I was living in. And, um, no one had taught me how to scale. No one had ever shown me any, anything about that. And I was also, I think the only anthropologist in tech <laughs> as well in the city. <laughs> and so I had it in my head that I was a special snowflake and I didn't mean to. <laughs> None of us ever mean to take that on, but I had so many reasons. I, capital R, I had so many reasons. Yes. <laughs> and so I was doing everything and I was working 70 hours a week. I was burning out. My post-traumatic stress disorder was constantly triggered because stress is in the name. Yep. <laughs> and um, I realized one day that I had created for myself a job that was shitty instead of the freedom that is entrepreneurship. The whole reason I started Green Cup was to be more free, to free myself of the man and to have decision and be able to travel and be location independent. And I'd done none of those things because I didn't, I didn't understand the difference in the paradigm between having a job and being an entrepreneur. Um, once I figured that out, you know, once you figure out there's a problem, that's when you can go solution finding. I figured out how to scale, that's eventually how I sold the company in 2018 and now teach other entrepreneurs how to do that, to take their work into a vertical model so that they have the freedom so they can do the 10 hour work week if they want to, like I was doing so they can gallivant across Europe if they want to, like I was doing, or if you love working 70 hours a week, do it because you choose to, not because you're, you have to. Yeah, absolutely. I, I find that women in particular, we, um, we like to bootstrap things and we take mm -hmm. so much pride in bootstrapping things. Oh yeah. Which bootstrapping means 70 hours. Right. And it's, it's just a way it, when I look back at my first business and so I didn't have the, I got to sell it, but I didn't get to sell it in a great way. I got to burn it down and get PTSD <laughs> in the process. So I very much oh. relate to, the, to that. And in yeah. I, the five years after that of the rebuilding, you're mm -hmm. right stress is there and it keeps triggering it and it when it's triggered you don't op you can't operate from a place that says i can do this you can only operate from a place that says i 
how I don't want to do this sometimes. It can be very challenging. Um, so tell me more about scaling up. This audacious entrepreneur um, would like to not this time around spend 70 hours a week bootstrapping. Yes. Uh, so when I speak, uh, I do my presentation called self-care through scaling. And the whole premise is that you have more time to self-care and to live the work-life balance you want if you are a scaled company. And so what, I love that you're taking those. What, <laughs> what I teach, I simplified it as much as I could because the thing is, um, scaling looks different for everyone but I've never met a business that I can't apply these three pillars to and have it work. So the first pillar of scaling is automation. So these days there are so many things out there, tools in tech, especially that will do what you do for free. And so you should never be in a place where you're repeating the same task over and over in your company where tech could be handling it for you. And I'm talking about things like scheduling or invoicing, especially recurring invoices. Mm -hmm. If anyone listening has to send the same invoice every month to the same client, tech can do that for you. And in fact, not just send the invoice, but also pull the money automatically. So you never have to worry if you're getting paid. That's like one of my favorite ones. <laughs> As you can tell, yeah. that was a game changer because it just, it, it builds trust with the client and it builds trust within yourself. You have peace of mind of your income now. Absolutely. And for people that are afraid of automation because they think it loses the authenticity, mm. people actually appreciate automation. Uh, you yeah. expect it when you work for, when, with a major company. And mm. so when you experience it with someone who maybe you are just a one man shop, that doesn't matter that is a value to your customer that they also don't have to interact. Yeah. I want everyone to build their company from day one as if it had been around for five or 10 years. So what are the things, what are the pieces that you need in order to look like you know what you're doing? Because you do know what you're doing. You are starting your company because you know what you're doing. Uh, there's no reason for you to be herding cats within your company. Um, so definitely automation. I, I had worried about that too. So when I started using Calendly, which is a scheduling app, um, I was worried that that authenticity, like you're talking about the, the back and forth of, you know, like, let me find you what works for you and da, 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 da. No, I was taking up unneeded time for both myself and my clients. And it was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. So I have no shame now. I was in a class with, uh, coaches and they're like, let's get together and talk. A ton of people want to talk. I say, yeah. I would love that. Calendar in invites are my love language. And I just send a link. And when I they email back, it says to them, thank you for honoring my love language. And, yeah. uh, so I have that personal touch. Yeah. Also, we don't have to go back and forth and they can, it's easier for my friends. Literally. I ask my friends to do this. No, I do too. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little chat with Katie. It says 30 minutes. So that if you're not my friend, you think you're getting 30 minutes. And if you are, <laughs> or I like you, just you get exercise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have a friend date Calendly because I live a far away from most of my friends. I moved to Los Angeles last year and, um, and I was like, Hey, like let's have little movie dates or whatever. So they have access to a, a, piece of my time in the evenings that no one else does. And it's like a hidden calendar. That's amazing. I love yeah. that. So pillar one, automation. And I yeah. learned that the hard way the first time as well. What's pillar two? Systemizing. So automation is things that do not need a human 
to to have any sort of impact within it. So scheduling, invoicing, things like that. Like you can set it and forget it. It's good to go. Systemizing are things that you're doing repetitively in your company, but something needs to be changed along the lines. You can't always just send it out. So a great example is invoicing or excuse me, not invoicing. Um, before you do the invoice, you've got to do the proposal and usually proposals need customization to some extent. Mm-hmm. But you should never be creating that proposal totally from scratch. Um, and I know a lot of entrepreneurs who do because they're kind of stuck in that, like you were talking about that, that I need to personalize, I need to personalize. You don't. Create a template that has all of the services that you have on there or whatever product you're creating or what have you. And even create the template for the intro letter if you're going to have an intro letter in your proposal. And then just edit. It'll take you 10 minutes to a half an hour instead of an hour to two hours. So you're saving time and the client, you know, they're fine with it. Like nobody's like, oh, is this a template? Like, oh, this, this line item looks like the same language used on somebody else's line item. Like, yeah. Your services should be standardized. So should the systems that you're using to create them. Yeah. And but for to- people that worry about that, I go right back to if you're doing business with a major company, they're going to have this. And you're really elevating what you offer Mm -hmm. by doing this. So let go of that fear that you can't template things, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, you know, an outward facing system. Uh, And you should have many systems within your company. The client wants to know that you know exactly what you're doing. And so there's no guesswork. We can tell when there's guesswork. But internally, you should have things systemized as well. The reason being that we're eventually going to get to pillar three, which is hiring. And if you don't have everything systemized, it's very hard to hand it off. So if you say um, are doing something on social media and you're using Canva and you use a specific template in Canva and you use certain language because it's your brand language, that's got to be documented. That's got to be systemized. It's got to have, you know, this step, this step, and this step. So when you hand it off, you hand over the document and you tell whoever you've just hired, this is the, the way it goes. Mm -hmm. And so training goes from, you know, like this to this. So you're saving money there. You're also saving money because you're not handing off something that could be automated, right? Uh, And then the employee is going to have so much more confidence in what they're doing. They'll feel empowered in coming into the job instead of uh, like, I don't, I don't know. I'm guessing. You never want to have your employees guess because you won't know what's going on and they won't know what's going on and everybody's confused and it all turns to shit, even if they're really good employees. (laughs) Yes. I so love, systemize. Systemize and then hire. I love that. Um, as someone who has done it once, and I have yeah. a lot of employees that is a CrossFit gym owner, um, systemizing is so important. I can't stress it enough. Like brand yeah. guides are not just for fancy companies. You are a fancy company. You need right. your brand guide. Right? And like, why, why do you think Steve Jobs wore the same thing every day? That was a system. I mean, you don't have to go that far, but you only have so many brain nuggets to spend in a day. You know, in the therapy world, we call them spoons. In the scientific world, we're, ta- we're talking about uh, decision fatigue, whatever you want to call it. That's all you've got every yeah. single day. And so if you're constantly, 
Yeah. You don't need to innovate in your company every no, day. No. So you're, and for the neuroscience to add to that, your brain, yes. fun fact, it's three pounds. It uses 20% of your energy. And so if you, do you really want to waste your tiny little gas tank, right? 20% of your energy is a lot of that. Do yeah. you really want to waste that on all these other pieces? Exactly. Right. Decision fatigue. Yeah, exactly. And so then we get to hiring, which is so scary for so many entrepreneurs. It's the big kahuna, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and I know you went through this. I went through it and I did it wrong a few times. I, we all do it. We do it wrong. So first of all, just grace, just feel some grace for yourself as you're going into hiring. However, you can empower yourself in hiring by having systems, by having automation, having things documented. And then um, as hiring starts, just to kind of give like really broad strokes, really quick overview of what I recommend for hiring. You don't have to go towards a full-time employee right away. Contractors are okay. You still want a job description. So take the time, even if it's for just social media, it's not just social media. So take the time to create a job description. And in that job description, make sure there's a tripwire. I want to see something that they have to do to prove that they are worth your time, worth the time for the interview, et cetera. So um, obviously a great tripwire is like no emojis in your freaking cover letter. I don't know if you ever got that, Katie, but like, I don't know why, but like I would get emojis and cover letters. I asked for a cover letter. <laughs> See, tripwire. So they have to do something. Give a cover letter, send your resume, three references, and, um, and something extra for, for, um, for my assistant, I knew I would have a lot of research involved. And so I said, can you research? I gave them just like such a tiny little task sliver within what I knew they would be doing. And I said, and I need five examples. You document it and you pull in the information however you want. So I wanted to see how their brain worked. How would they organize this information? Where would they go? Where would they find the sources? Um, and I said, I will pay you for a half an hour of this work. And so, you know, they didn't have to do it just free of charge. I was honoring the fact that they know what they're doing to some extent. They are a real live thinking human being. They deserve to be paid for their time. Um, but that started giving me an insight. Okay. Like this is the database they were able to create. Uh, and then the one, of course I hired, which we just had our first year anniversary, which is so much fun. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Um, but she said, okay, this is what I was able to find in half an hour. This is how I organized it. This is why I organized it this way. Um, this is where I searched, but this is where I want to search if I have the opportunity to do it again, because I discovered this isn't this in the search process. Yes, please. <laughs> and then a stellar interview and then, you know, a stellar yeah. year so far. Right. Um, I love that you wanted to know how they think in order to work for you. That's yes. genius. That is <laughs> well, because as a former teacher, like how someone thinks is so important to whether or not you're going to mesh and you're hiring someone to support you, not yes. to challenge you, right? Hire right. your coach that thinks differently. Don't hire your assistant that thinks differently. Right. It's not gonna work. That's a yeah. that's an amazing tip for anyone that is thinking about hiring. Is yeah, what is something that you can give them to do. I love that you paid them for their time and honored it. And it's such a minimum commitment for 30 minutes, right? That doesn't cost you anything. Yeah. I mean, if you're hiring 
you better have a budget. And, you know, we can talk about that. There's like all the budgeting and finances. And I love talking about that stuff too. Um, but if, if you're going to pay someone and give them a livelihood, you better be able to afford a couple half hour segments for the finalists. You know, I did that with five people. So they were the top five applications I received. Do it. Um, and then just hot tip, once you've hired, have weekly meetings. I can't tell you how many people I've worked with who say, I have no idea what my employees are doing. Yeah. <laughs> Things change, even if it's small stuff. Now, of course, like we're in the middle of a pandemic. So weekly meetings are really critical because there's just things are happening every single day that changes everything. Um, but even just, even if you're just saying, yeah, things are still the same as they were last week. Now they know for sure things are the same as they were last week. So true. I am a big fan of um, onboarding people with five minute meetings every day for the first couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. The first, the training period, you definitely do way more meetings. Absolutely. Uh, but I love a five minute meeting where it's, these are the top three things I want you to get done today. <laughs> do you have any questions about what else are you going to work on today? Like, what does your schedule look like? Um, I'm curious, like how structured, you have a job description, but how structured do you get for their day? Mm. I really don't. I don't like to micromanage and I want to hire people who can think freely for themselves. So even at my tech company, they knew what was needed to be done. So we had a whole client portal that they were working out of. And I actually have a client portal for my coaching clients as well. Um, for anyone who's like client portal coaching, what coach accountable, like do it anyway. So I was using Basecamp for my tech company. So any of you awesome techpreneurs listening in, um, I'm just such a fan of Basecamp. They're they're a wonderful company, and they really have some fantastic tools. And so we were using Basecamp, so the clients could come in and make their requests, and the team was right there receiving the requests. And I, I was able to say like, this client has paid for this package, so these two team members are on this one, etc., and so on. Right? They knew which yeah. departments they were working in, and so. Um, you know, we were having team meetings and I was constantly in touch. It's not that the team meeting is the only conversation you have with your employees throughout the week. It's just, that's the huddle. That's when everybody like what's going on in this department, what's going on over here. Okay. Everybody's now on the same page. Mm -hmm. Um, but they were able to see what was needed and, um, really they said they, a lot of times they were setting their own deadlines. Sometimes I'd work together with the client to say, you know, is there a need for this by a certain time. Um, or if there was a large project, then we did have a delivery deadline and milestones. Yeah. Do you, I'm curious how you do, you, how you structure your meetings. Do you have a standing agenda? Do you create an agenda right before? Yeah. Um, so I use Asana in order to manage tasks between my teammates. Um, and so we have the standing agenda, which is, you know, like, what's good today? How was your weekend? Just kind of like a little chit chat for five minutes. And then we want to go over what was good last week. So like, what did you accomplish? What got done? What, what did you love? And then also like, what, what were the opportunities that came up last week? So like, what, what didn't get done? What did you get stuck on? Um, did you have any ideas that we need to discuss? And then we talk about new, um, new action items. And we're all doing this. So I'm saying what I did last week and what I missed on as well. This is an even yeah. playing field here. We're going egalitarian. I'm in charge. I'm leading the meeting, but I'm also subject to the same rules. 
Um, and so we talk about uh, new business, like what's up, you know, is there a new client? Is there, is there, you know, a new, new publicity, new award, new speaking opportunity? What's, you know, um, new mastermind, which we're going to discuss, right? So, so everybody stays on the same page and the employees can also say like, Hey, I had this idea. So that's new business, right? Yeah. Um, and then we discuss what's going to happen for this week. You know, any, any meetings, milestones, uh, events that we all need to be on the same page for. That's it. It takes a half hour, you know? What I love about that structure is you are, you're creating a coaching culture within your meeting, yeah. right? Where if you personally say, I'm struggling with this, your employees have an opportunity to coach you through that and vice versa. Yeah. Or take and, it on. Yes. And yeah. so you have, oh, this is just, it's so, it's just such five dimensional leadership to pull on my co-active leadership program, right? You have this leader in the front, you're running the show, but you're also a leader beside you're co-leading with these people. Mm. You're also yeah. a leader in the field because you're doing the same things that people are doing. And you're the right. leader behind where you're supporting each other. Um, and that leader within and everybody in the team is so full because you're all there to celebrate the good, to support yeah. what you miss. Um, and then to be able to offer up your own thinking, um, mm -hmm. that this audacious entrepreneur here with my witty and wise conversations is what I'd love to bring to HR departments in corporate America. Yeah. Which is so needed. I know. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's I, I, in my classes, I get to meet people who are coaching in HR. And the problem with the brain is that we have patterns. And so when we mm -hmm. add new information, we add them to our current patterns, unless we're willing. And it's so hard to get our brains to create an empty file. And oh, so unless yeah. you're outside of your comfort zone, hint, hint, this is where the magic happens, where you can create something new, and then you can go back to your old patterns and see how they fit. Right. But people in HR, people in corporate America can't do that. Their mm -hmm. patterns are too strong. And so even though we're in the same classes and we're learning the same methodologies of coaching, it was interesting to hear this HR director say, so the most popular product is these short-term coaching sessions where they can put a fire out. Yeah. Um, and we also offer six months, but most people don't. And that has, you know, confidentiality and there's a contract and there's like three things that they're going to be different at in six months, which not as many people do. Um, and then there's the overall company goal, which is they like to improve how people give and receive feedback and create a company coaching culture. And when she shared that, I just noticed, well, if the goal is this, it's, this, is a, this is more than six months, but you, your leaders only want the short term. <laughs> and because you're coming at it from, a, I want to keep my job, I'm an HR perspective, you offer more of what people want when, as a teacher, I know that what people want and what they need. Um, Not always the same. No. And, um, and the other piece she had mentioned, which was so interesting to me, is she said, the founders of this co-active institute, their background is actors. You know, they're a little, we got to make it more corporate speak. Um, there is mm. value in the witty. <laughs> there is so much yeah. value in, in the big value comes from perspective. And yeah. so actors can have different perspectives because they put themselves in the different shoes of people. And mm -hmm. in corporate America, there's one perspective and there's one goal. 
and that linear thinking that many of the male brains have, <laughs> right? That men are very much linear thinkers. My partner's like, oh yeah, oh yeah. He's very excited about that. That's me. <laughs> um, and that's super important because it does take you from point A to point B. But there are a hundred ways to get to point A and point B. And there's another hundred no one's thought of. And there's another hundred that someone thought of it never shared. <laughs> and, right. and so it's just interesting to my disruptive goal, these hundred million witty and wise conversations is um, the opposite of what we're doing in corporate America, but how you're running your teams, how you're successfully making things happen will work on a larger scale. Yes. <laughs> talk about scaling up. There is a way to scale up. Um, yeah. But you got to start at the top. <laughs> you have to yeah. start with CEO. You have to start with your Veronica. Yeah. Well, and you made a good point here that I, I don't know that you touched, you realized you touched on, but um, so as you said, you have to get out of your comfort zone or to really um, start new methods of thinking. The entire world is currently out of its comfort zone. Yes. <laughs> Literally every habit system and uh, experience has changed. Even like what it means to work, even going to the grocery store. It's the simplest thing. And yeah. yet that's different. So that means that there's a lot of opportunity here that if you've been trying to make change within your company, trying to make change within yourself, now is the time to do it. Um, I just had a poem published that's called Quicksand. And this is the premise of it is that it, the world has turned to liquid underneath our feet. We thought we were on solid ground and all of a sudden it's not anymore. And that's freaky. But this gives us this opportunity here to say, okay, but what do I want it to be shaped like? How do I want it to look? Because it's going to solidify again. As you said, people are starting to kind of find, find their way now through this. We're starting to get kind of used to, okay, this is what it needs to look like for now. I'm less in panic mode and more in kind of like treading water. Um, we're going to end up in a world that has solidified its systems again. Yeah. That's you want somebody point. else to choose what that looks like for you, yeah. or do you want to make that choice? I love how the world, the universe, just, you know, every hundred years gives us a pandemic so that we're forced <laughs> to, to walk through something. You know, I, I actually love the disruption. I mean, the earth has healed itself when we stepped away and stayed inside. We saw the dramatic change that has happened. Yeah. And although there's been some horrible things that have happened for people in COVID and it's been a really trying time we both know that sometimes things have to fall away in order for you to say yes to something else. Yeah. So this is an opportunity for people to get comfortable being uncomfortable because they practice their brain has a new pattern now that they didn't have before that right. says, okay, when something's different, we can, we may not, not like it still, we may still experience the fighting, but at least a, the entire world's brain has experienced what your brain has, what my brain yeah. has, which is leaving its comfort zone permanently, yeah. <laughs> never going back. Right. Yeah. And this is why so many people love to travel, which we're not traveling now, but that's, you get yourself out of mm -hmm. your comfort zone, as you say. Um, so you, I'm sure, you know, the reticular formation in our brain helps us form habits. And because of that, you know, so what, what I've, 
how many things sitting on my desk right now? There must be 25 things on my desk. My brain isn't processing 25 things while I'm talking to you though, because my reticular formation was like, okay, there's stuff here, but I've seen it before. I've logged it. No big deal. Same with habits. Like when you drive to work, you don't remember how you got to work. That's okay though, because you didn't have to commit it to memory. You've done this before. You know the way you don't have to think about it very hard. And that's what travel does. It gets us out of this, I'm used to seeing this, I'm used to doing it this way. I'm all the I'm used to stuff goes away. And that's exciting for a week. And we learn things about ourselves because of that. But now we've been doing it for much longer than a week. And so that's where that exhaustion piece is coming from. That a lot of people are talking about fatigue. Um, because it's you know, isolation, tech fatigue, etc. Your brain has had to work so much harder for so much longer than it's used to. Um, and so that's where self-care becomes really important, but also uh, don't miss the opportunity that you have right now. Yeah. I love to hear about your self-care because I would love for us to stop looking at self-care as I got my nails done and I got eh. a massage and I got a new handbag and I treated yeah. myself, right? Like, yeah, definitely. Those are lovely things that really make you feel nice, but self-care, like Part of your brain's job is it's a user. It's a user of energy. And so self-care mm-hmm. is sleep. Self-care yeah. is fuel in your body. Self-care is where you're able to, your ability to manage your emotions and getting yeah. what you need for that, whether it's coaching or therapy. When you right. give talk on self-care, I'm just curious what you share. Yeah. I love talking about self-care. <laughs> Um, so yeah, exactly. I, I like to talk about it almost like self-parenting, which yeah. is, it is a form of self-parenting, but you know, so you have needs and just because you're an adult doesn't mean that you don't address your needs anymore. It's that you're in charge of addressing the needs. Um, whereas your parents were the ones who were doing it for you back in the day. Um, and so, yeah, just as you said, it's not just making sure you eat, but it's also, did you eat the right things for your body? Um, you know, during all of this, my stress went up and I realized that I actually have a de- genetic disorder I didn't know about that affects my insulin uh, sensitivity. So I had to change my diet in the middle of all of this. I don't love the new diet, but I want to be healthy. I've got work to do, you know, um, talking about sleep hygiene, right? So like not bringing the phone to bed, making sure you go to bed at a certain time every night and waking up. Is it fun? Is it partying like in college? No, but you don't always have to do the absolute most fun thing and then burn yourself out from your life's work. Um, so self-care is really that intention to make sure that this vessel and also your mind are well cared for and have the energy that they need in order to do what you need to do. And I've talked to a lot of people who see the wall of this is all the stuff I've got to get done. Oh my God. And then they get into that space of the OMG space, you know, freak out the, I have to, I have to, I have to, the time's running out. Time will always be running out. Time is not a renewal, not a renewable resource. That's scary. And if we focus on that, which I went through a year focused on that, that was not a good year, (laughs) but if we stay focused on that, then it, we don't, we, we lose our self care and then we burn out and we can't actually get done what we had intended to get done in the first place. So look, you can sprint in a day. That's fine. But after a sprint, you eat some really high fuel foods, you drink tons of water, you rest, you stretch, right? So that goes for everything within your life. Everyone is different. Find what works for you 
if a pedicure feels really awesome and it's, it, it d- delivers, you know, a feeling of being cared for by somebody else and your body right. image and gets you away from your kids for an hour, you know, whatever, fine. But it's not just going to be that. Yeah. You also have to go to the doctor. You also <laughs> have to go to the dentist. Yeah. I, if people really, so as I started getting into the neuro coaching and understanding yeah. the user brain, it became not about how do I want to lose 10 pounds? It became not about, do I want to get this thing done before I go to bed? It became more about really understanding, holy crap, this is what my brain is trying to tell me. My brain's saying, we just learned a lot of information the last three weekends of being in an intensive school. Monday is not going to look like Monday looked like before we did school. And instead of my brain's pattern of searching for like, why did I get lazy today? Why did I stay in bed till eight o'clock? Like, instead of doing that searching, my brain, I'm totally at peace with knowing that I don't need 12 hours of work. I need four hours of really good work (laughs) that gets the things done. Mm -hmm. And I think people do realize this when they think about their jobs, my corporate America people, Mm -hmm. my people that are working from home that have realized, wow, I actually can get this eight hour workday done in five hours and like do some other stuff while I'm at home. And again, a chance for people to change their thinking and a chance to experience something new. So if people really understood what water does for your brain, what meditation and oxygen Mm -hmm. getting to your brain does, it literally allows you to access more. And why would you not want to access more of your brain? You're already feeling fatigued. So embracing the self-care industry, not in the, um, judgy like I got like I bought myself stuff and I'm feeling good like the pedicure part it is rest it is getting away from someone right right but the endorphins- but being clear on that benefit yeah. <laughs> that it's not it's not just the froofy it's really the benefits of I'm I'm taking a moment for myself and I haven't had a moment for myself in two weeks or you know yeah. whatever it looks like for you for you to have your brain rest in that moment is lovely. If you don't think a nap would benefit you in the middle of the day. Um, But don't, don't forget that your brain has some other needs too. And we don't talk about fuel as being a need for a brain. We talk about it as like, Oh, well your body or exercise, like you actually can create new brain cells. We, we talk about, and I remember learning about how you kill them when you drink in college, but no one ever told me that you can regenerate brain cells, which is true. And I didn't know that when you exercise, you're stimulating the hippocampus, you're creating new abilities in neuroplasticity and you actually can make brain cells. So when you think about exercise from that level, maybe you don't care about how you physically appear and that's lovely, but your brain cares about that exercise a lot. We'll do so much more for you if you use it. Definitely. And you see that I talk about empire building all over, like everywhere, everywhere I am, I'm talking about empire building. Mm -hmm. What I mean by that is that you have created something that is a legacy. It is lifelong work. It probably has multiple offerings like a book and speaking and coaching and a product or a company or, you know, there's multiple things that you're creating. You're not going to get it all done in a year. And so self-care in, okay, I'm going to start here and go. So we're talking about the vertical business model again, mm-hmm. taking one thing and making that be the foundation and moving forward in a long-term plan. And you can't do it. You cannot do this 60 to 80 year work 
if you are not taking care of yourself. Yes, absolutely. And with the vertical, because I'm in phase one, and phase yes. two for me is going to be a master class, and, and you are launching one. So let's yes. talk about your master class that you're launching now. Yes, I am launching Scaling Lab, and I'm so excited about it. I am too. Um, yeah, so it's a weekly mastermind around scaling, uh, and it's for people who are entrepreneurs and they know that they're building just like what we're talking about, this empire, this lifetime legacy work. Um, and you want access to coaching, but you either don't need deep dive six months bi-weekly sessions, or you aren't in a place where you quite can afford it because of, you know, whatever you've got going on, it's okay. Um, and so Scaling Lab is a themed weekly mastermind. So we crowdsource the themes that the group needs um, and we have hot seats. So we get 15 minutes deep dive into a topic and then we do hot seats around that topic. So each individual gets a chance to, to go deep on their specific company because each company is different. Mm -hmm. Social media means something different for my company than it does for my client who has a product, right? So it all looks, but if that's a topic, they deserve to have that level of understanding around it, just like I do. And so then we can go deep on hot seats for the last 45 minutes of each session. And it's super fun. I'm so excited about it. Um, and right now, as I told you, I'm doing the first 35, 30 days complimentary. So if you're curious, like if you've never been in a mastermind, first of all, come on in. It is so fun. Uh, you learn so much because it's not just what happens between a coach and a client. There, that's one relationship. And so that's one energy level and that's awesome. But when you have multiple people, what that means is that there's other inputs and that's, that's the design that I'm going with is that I'm not the only one coaching. You are getting co-coached by yes. your, yes, by your fellow mastermind members. Yeah. I love that. Uh, I actually, so my neuro class is set up to be in this mastermind. And one yes. thing though from it is, uh, is the crowdsourcing. It's interesting that it's missing. Um, it's incredible. It's so important to have that. So a group of owls, a uh, fun fact is called a parliament. Um, and so, it's not great. <laughs> I love that. And, I didn't know. Yes. And so I want to create a parliament because everyone needs a coach and no one needs a coach. And what that means is that all of you are coaches. Everyone is naturally creative, resourceful, and whole. And mm -hmm. the mastermind that you're creating, that business owner who has a business that's not like anybody else's is going to get perspectives that they would not have yes. heard if they had not sat in that right? And exactly. by the time they get to actually tackle theirs, um, you know, they might actually have some new, a new folder of information that they've created simply by experiencing that. Exactly. Um, so I love that. I, um, my vision for my parliament is getting more of the emotional brain that we tend to ignore in corporate America. It's not valued in corporate America, yeah. but the problem with it is that we can actually grow that side <laughs> um, in a very relatively quickly way, like 20% more access to your, when you un are able to control your emotions and understand them and use mm -hmm. them to help you expand your thinking outside the box, right? Um, but we don't value it in the corporate setting because we think of emotions as volatile. We think of them as anger or um, you know, and so women, unpredictable, right. And so women and men have this like terrible corporate dance that they're doing. And, 
there's a lot of humor that could help with that. And yeah. part of that is the brain and what happens in the brain when you experiment. So uh, I'm excited to learn about scaling. I am not offering scaling in my parliament, and I am, but I am ready to build an empire. And I love that you're supporting all of the people like myself who are um, not linear thinkers that want to, yeah. to build something that lasts. You know, it's beyond yeah. us. I started a nonprofit, yeah. teacher, nonprofit director. My gym was kind of a nonprofit. <laughs> Not really. I mean, we made money, but I just, I supported a lot of employees with it. <laughs> yeah. um, and so I, I just love that you're doing something that is going to impact and ripple out like to so many people and the people that they hire and the people that they end up hiring, yes. right? Uh, it's right. just a hundred million witty and wise conversations. Like you're doing the hundred million audacious entrepreneurs. Um, one master class at a time. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yay. <laughs> um, we are change the world. Um, we're, as we try to change the world, but I do want to talk about your latest book project. Oh yeah. Uh, COVID. And I would just love to hear a little bit about how, what you're learning or what's happening as you're doing your research. Oh my God. Um, so for those of those listeners that aren't sure like what's going on, uh, so my degree is in anthropology and I study paradigm shifts. And um, the first paradigm shift that I documented was the high tech revolution, which we all are benefiting from currently. But um, the really, the thing is that none of us have lived its entirety except the greatest generation. So those are people born before 1945. And so they have this perspective of remembering the crank cars, remembering the first radio, not the first television, but the first radio, remembering party lines. Um, and now a lot of these people I interviewed grew up in those scenarios and now have iPhones. So to see that and have that perspective documented was an incredible journey. It totally changed my life. Uh, and now we're going through another enormous paradigm shift, just as you and I, Katie, were just discussing and how there is a ton of opportunity here, but it's also really scary. Living on quicksand is a freaky thing. Um, and so I'm interviewing people worldwide. Uh, so any of your listeners who want to interview, I'm not done yet because the pandemic isn't done yet. And so you can sign up for an interview at storiesofcovid.co and um, just offer a little sliver of what this has been like for a book that will outlive us. So the whole point is that we don't live that long. We think that this is common knowledge right now because we're all going through it, but there are already people being born during the pandemic that will have no idea what it was like. There's already people alive today, right? We talk about like, what was 9-11 like? And there's totally people out there who don't know what it was like because we thought it was common knowledge, but now there's generations coming up who didn't live through it, don't remember that moment. Um, and so the whole point of the book is to document this in real time, so there's five sections. The first section is, you know, the panic, that initial <laughs> bit, right? And we're going along the timeline. So um, it's been amazing. It's been cathartic for me, definitely hearing what other people are going through. I don't feel as alone. Um, it's been cathartic for the people who give their stories. I've, I've definitely had many a crier, um, many touching, touching stories. Um, and it's been it's been really helpful to just 
understand like what what is this thing is it a moment to panic is it partisan is it you know what is it and to hear from people around the world which if you're curious just to hear there is a podcast stories of covid um where you can just hear little clips of the interviews so you'll know what's coming along in the book sometime sometime when this is all over um and just have access to not the news the real the real experience of this yeah, I love that. As a history teacher, I keep thinking about ahead, like how will history view this, right? Just like yeah. history viewed the pandemic, the Spanish uh, flu and- uh, Right, and yeah. forgot about it. <laughs> <laughs> right, and I wish we hadn't because, you know, history does repeat itself and there's something to be said about Americans in a pandemic and how we react because we are- a bunch of entrepreneurs that came over here at some point, whether on our own accord or by force. And that has shaped our thinking and that has shaped how we react um, when the government has suggestions or when there's mixed reviews on what to do. Um, I have yeah. so many people I want to send to for you to interview. It's just, it's Yay. fascinating for me. And I'm always, I try to approach everything um, that's happening politically in history from that like meta view yeah. of, well, what will people see a hundred years from now? Um, because they right. won't have the emotions that are tied to the word Trump. They won't have emotions tied to COVID. Uh, and so you get a different perspective. And definitely. And why I love witty and wise conversations of different perspectives. I love what you're doing with the book because you get to read. And for the podcast, people should absolutely check it out to hear the different um, perspectives of what it's like. If you're in a perspective that the COVID is horrible, there's some, some really bright moments of things that are happening. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, thank you so much for joining us today. I could talk to you for hours. I probably no. will. Your mastermind Yay. sounds amazing. <laughs> um, I loved it. And uh, I think honestly, my favorite part was hearing the, the three pillars, the automation, systemizing, hiring. Like I didn't have that language to say. These are the three mm -hmm. pillars. You're hundred percent, right? Um, and it's gotten my wheels turning about where I personally can look at my systems that I know could use some work because I'm looking at hiring someone. So uh, this is why I love the Witty and Wise Conversations. I got to learn something today. Um, awesome. Before we go, you have a lot of things going on. Where can people find you, follow you, listen to you, read about you? Yeah. Um, so easiest place, like the central hub for it all is veronicakirin.com and Kirin is spelled K-I-R-I-N like the Japanese beer. I'm Croatian, so I don't know. <laughs> um, and, and that's where you can get my social media links. That's where you can find my YouTube channel. So if you're looking for more information on that concept that I shared about quicksand, living on quicksand, I have a visualization I created in order to help you reframe what you're going through right now. And it's right on my homepage. Um, and that's where my books are. That's where everything is. So if you're curious, just come find me on my website, veronicakirin.com. I'd love to have you. Yes. Um, I need more of Veronica in my life because I am a woman that is not good at tech. I am your standard. <laughs> and when you talk about automation, what holds me back from some automations is that I have to mm. set them up. So definitely going to check out your masterclass. Um, if you'd like to learn more about your own witty and wise conversations with, um, and having one with me, owlprofessionalcoaching.com is where you can go. I'd love to have you on the podcast. I offer complimentary sessions, so I'd love to speak with you. 
one session is all it takes to take the first step to transform your thinking, align your heart with your brain, and start creating the relationships that you desire. You can also check me out at Witty and Wise Conversations um, in Relationships the last Wednesday of the month. Veronica, I'd love if you want to join us. It's 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. Okay. And uh, it's a 90-minute fun workshop. We'll see if it goes 90 minutes. I have a last half hour for questions. I feel like I'll need more time to do that like hot seat coaching that you talked about. We're going to be breaking out into some Zoom groups. You're going to be meeting people that you've never met before and practicing being witty. Um, and I'll talk a little bit in that about how the neuroscience and the brain and what's going to happen and what you're going to be able to access as you practice uh, working with your more emotional side of your brain that will absolutely, and I promise you that your rational side will fight it. <laughs> and, um, and I always know who my hyper rational people are because the first thing they'll say is my brain doesn't want to do this like I want to, I feel like I want to leave I had that happen last night with the client get an amazing breakthrough because she's like but I'm gonna stay and before she would have had a panic attack so if you really struggle um, to separate those two it's a really great place we're gonna let your brain take a break we're gonna get playful we're gonna get into a sandbox and we're gonna try to uncover hopefully more treasures than cat poop so if you want to learn more, you can follow me on Instagram or Facebook at Al Professional Coaching uh, and Twitter at underscore Al Women. We release all of our podcast episodes Sunday night if you subscribe to the newsletter or Monday morning for your motivation at Outstanding Women Leaders. Uh, if you follow the YouTube channel, you also can get a sneak peek at them. Uh, I also have Why Not Wednesdays, where sometimes I'm like, why not throw out this podcast episode? And um, so stay <laughs> tuned for Why Not Wednesday. By the time you hear this episode, I will definitely be releasing uh, one tomorrow. I had an amazing woman on uh, yesterday that I'm like, I can't sit on this. The world needs this right now. So thank you so much, Veronica. You are amazing. Um, two questions we ask every guest so for people listening if you've made it this far you're getting your, your treat the first question is what is your superpower hmm. my superpower is motivating and moving people when they feel they've been stuck mm -hmm. so i shine the light where they may not have looked may not have been willing to look and um open them to the incredible audacious possibilities that they have simply by living on this earth I love that. So standing in that superpower of motivating and moving people, what's next? Mm, stories of COVID is the big what's next. Um, and though I can't officially talk about it yet, uh, in September, I will be doing a TED Talk on stories of COVID. And so I will be following up with your community on that as soon as I'm allowed. Amazing. I love it. And I know I said no more TED Talks, but what I really meant was the people on Instagram that say, welcome to my TED Talk and give you a bite. It cracks me up. I'm a huge fan of all the TED Talks. I actually listen to yours. It's amazing. You have oh, thank you. things to share. Thank you for sharing your superpowers today in this witty and wise conversation. Thank you, Katie.